Unleavened Bread Ministries presents Hidden Manna for the End Time with your host, David Eels. Hello, friends. This is David Eels. God bless you, and thank you for joining us. Uh, we have some very important revelations to share with you that were shared with me over the last thirty-something um, years. Uh, sometimes, in word of knowledge or word of wisdom, they are very—I'll say—untraditional. But you should expect that in these days. Um, the traditions of men have been making of no effect the Word of God. And uh, these revelations will help you to cooperate with God in the time to come in manifesting His Son in you and in understanding the things that are going on around you and the great purpose that God has for these end times. May God give you eyes to see and ears to hear so that these will be a great blessing unto you. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You may hear some things here that um, are not fitting with your traditions. God bless you. Part 15. Wilderness Living Now Let me point out to you, the more that we put in to this salvation or provision or whatever you want to call it, the less God will put in. We only need our needs met. If we decide we'll need them ourselves, God will back up. If we decide we're going to let Him do it, He'll step forward and we back up. See, God's plan is for us to manifest to the world His, His miracles. And yet, those miracles don't come unless you're in a position to need a miracle. Great victories come from great battles. And um, great battles are many times battles against our own flesh, which 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 really wants to take control. The old man died back there in the Red Sea. That was the Egyptian. He was drowned. We were baptized there. And we have no business bringing him into the wilderness with us. But he's always screaming to go back to Egypt. Why? Because the flesh pots are back there. You know, The provision that's provided by Egypt is back there. But you don't get to see any manna coming out of heaven back there, you see. And where we're going... We're going to see manna out of heaven. And we're going there one way or the other. The thing is, if you don't cooperate with God out there, you can actually die out there. If you don't cooperate with God out there, um, you can miss His provision. So if we understand what God's after, and He's, he's after the righteous who live by faith, without faith it's impossible to be well-pleasing unto God. The Bible says it's impossible. The thing that impresses God is faith. Remember how many times Jesus said that? You know, He was impressed with the great faith, and usually it was somebody that wasn't even in Israel. Can you imagine? Oh, that's, that's sad. And it was like that in the Old Testament too, in, in many cases. And he, he gave examples of that. Well, we see that these provisions, He said, He bear our sins. You were healed. And Jesus said, when you pray, believe you have received. And uh, Colossians chapter 1 is, He delivered us out of the power of darkness. Past tense. All these past tense promises. 
They're past tense for a purpose. The purpose is, since it's already done, we can do nothing to bring it to pass. And if we believe it, we have to cease. You have to cease. If you really believe it, you have to cease from your own works. Okay. For instance, um, when I started going down this road, I was very, very young in the Lord. But I had been diligently reading the Bible. And God gave me some rules. that Actually, I saw most of them in the Bible. And He gave me some rules about going into the wilderness, how He wanted me to go, and what kind of provision I could take for myself. When Jesus sent out His disciples, remember how He sent them out? He sent them out without any provision of their own. Why did He do that? Because He wanted them to be people of faith. If they weren't people of faith, they were not qualified to lead His people. Moses could lead God's people through the wilderness of this world because he'd already been there. He was qualified. Okay, And um, in order to do and to teach what God wants, we have to stand on these promises and enter into the rest. And don't even leave one out. That's what he said in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Don't even leave one out. All of these promises cover all of our problems, every last one of them. And actually, all of our problems were solved at the cross. Okay? Um, another example, Second Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Seeing that His divine power hath granted, past tense, unto us all things that pertain unto life, and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that called us by His own glory and virtue, whereby He's granted unto us His precious and exceeding great promises, that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world by lust. Isn't that neat? God has, through the promises of God, He has granted unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's already done it. Why do we struggle so? Why do we worry so? And, you know, Jesus pointed out in uh, Matthew chapter 7 about the, the birds and the flowers, right? How that they don't struggle and they don't store up in barns. And they don't struggle to clothe themselves and, let, and yet your heavenly Father clothes them, He feeds them, and He takes care of them. They don't work. And they don't store up in barns. They don't work. And yet, is, is, is God saying He doesn't want us to work? No, but he doesn't want us to work for his provision and his salvations and so on and so forth. You know, uh, Actually, what's coming is we will probably come to the place where we won't have gainful employment. Do you know that that's not going to stop God from providing? It's not. It's not going to stop God from providing at all. Actually, there's a way given in the Scriptures that is a way of weakness. The wilderness is a way of weakness. God gave us a way in the Scriptures to make money even if we couldn't work. He said, give, and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. It's the only method he gave. You know, we have a lot of Christian money counselors that are telling us all kinds of investment stuff, none of which is in the Bible, not any of it. But we do have one thing in the Bible that he did give us, and that is give, and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You know, when we obey the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about laws here. I'm talking about to him that soweth bountifully, he shall reap also bountifully. To him that sows sparingly, shall reap also sparingly. We cannot afford not to put ourselves in a position of weakness in order to give to what we feel the Holy Spirit is calling us to give to. We're not under, under the laws of the Old Testament, 
but we're under the law of the Spirit. And, and he, he is the one who determines how much to whom and where. He is. And um, you say, this, this, this puts us in a position of weakness sometimes. It certainly does. I mean, let me tell you, many times, when, I, when the Lord ordained me to go into the full-time ministry, it started long before that, but when He did that, I got into a position many times where I was looking over the cliff, and, uh, and there was no answer in sight. And, you know, He never let me fall over. But so many times in order to try my faith, he let me come right up to the edge. All my bills were paid. I had no, no visible means of support. I had no, I had no, uh, government benefits. I had no, uh, I did not, from the very beginning of my ministry, I tell you the truth, God would not let me, I never did, uh, take up an offering. I never took up an offering. And, um, the Lord told me to walk by faith. He told me to get, tell him my needs, and I've, I've been doing that for, for many, many years now, and he's always been faithful. Um, uh, he wouldn't let me borrow money. I haven't borrowed money in 30 years. Everything I've prayed for, when I stood in faith, it always came. It didn't matter if it was a house or if it was a car or whatever. The house I live in now was given to me free. I had no, no obvious way to know how God was going to do that, but He did it. And um, the cars have come the same way. Many times God has told me before He would answer to give away what I had. I gave away my house once. I gave away, I've given away many cars. And um, you know what? Sometimes you need to put yourself in a position where the Word of God blesses you, you know. And there's been times when, when I didn't, I could look at what I had come in and it wasn't enough to meet the bills. And I would just take what I had and go shove it in the mailbox and send it to somebody. And this has happened more than once. I've gone back to the same mailbox and there was a tenfold in there, you know, or a hundredfold in there, you know. Um, you cannot, when you step out by faith, God can never, ever fail you. He will never, ever fail you. But that's a position of weakness that you get into. You know, you put yourself in a position of weakness. You, you put yourself in a possibility for ridicule in many cases. And the devil always tells you that if you put your trust in God, you'll be put to shame. But how many of you know the Bible tells you that that's not possible? So if you put your trust in God, you will never be put to shame, it says. Never. When you step out on those limbs, God is there. And what, he, what he's waiting for you to do is to walk by faith and exercise your faith to see these answers. Um, some of the miracles that I have seen are, to me, just awesome because I, I've, my faith has grown in God to see him answer me out there where I didn't have any provision, you know. Um, one thing the Lord showed me was Colossians 1 and 28. You know, that... We like to see God do things in a physical way because we like something physical between us and the curse around us. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like when Jesus said to uh, Peter, come, and he stepped out of the boat. Well, we, we talk a lot about Peter sinking in the water because he looked at the wind and the waves, but the rest of the guys never got out of the boat, right? They wanted something physical. The, the water represented the curse. The water's the Word of God. The, the water is... A blessing and a curse, God told Moses. The word is a blessing and a cursing. You know, the same word that blesses you will curse you when you get contrary to God. Okay? 
That water represented the curse, the washing of the water with the Word. Well, Peter stepped out by faith, but then he started walking by sight, and he lost it. The rest of the guys were in the boat. They wanted something physical between them and the curse. But walking by faith is when you don't have anything physical between you and the curse. Um, Galatians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1. In verse 28, it says that God chose the base things of the world, the things that are despised did God choose, yea, and the things that are not, that He might bring to naught the things that are. You know, God chooses the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. What is the things that are that He's talking about? It's the curse. It's the need. It's the lack. It's what we see around us. All around us is this curse, this need, this lack, this suffering, this sickness. All these things are around us. God has a method for destroying that. Did you ever watch Jesus um, pay real close attention to His methods and the disciples' methods? Their methods are nothing like people's methods today. You know why? Because they use the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. They They didn't use physical things to destroy the curse. They used faith to destroy the curse. You know how we, Romans chapter 4, I believe it's verse 17, tells us how we use the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. It says we call the things that be not as though they were. Were is past tense. You understand what I'm saying? Were is past tense. We simply call it done according to the Word of God. When it's based in the promises of God, we simply call it done. Well, that's putting you in a position of weakness because then you can't use all the things of the world to deliver you from whatever curse you're, you're talking about. Do you understand where I'm going? Okay. Jesus didn't use all those methods. That's how He got miracles. The more you put in, the less He will put in. An example, uh, Matthew chapter 16. Look at that. This is a very good example. In verse 5. The disciples came unto the other side, and they forgot to take bread. And Jesus said unto them, Take heed, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You know what the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees was? He said it was their teaching, but what was particularly wrong with their teaching? All of their teaching was salvation by works. That's the way the law was. It was salvation by what you could do to obey God. You see, We're not counting on what we can do to obey God. We're counting on what God did at the cross as far as delivering this old man so he could live through us. You know, It's what God can do through us. You see? That's what we're counting on. Their, their um, salvation by works teaching was leaven. Leavening the bread. It was acceptable to the flesh. That's what leaven is. It makes the bread appetizing to the flesh. Okay, And, and we can do something to be saved. But we don't like to go to those places where we can't do anything to be saved. That's what makes us really nervous when we get in those situations. Well, well, look what he's saying. Uh, Verse 7, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, We took no bread. And Jesus perceiving it said, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because you have no bread. Do you not yet perceive, neither remember, the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets you took up? That was twelve, by the way. Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, 
And how many baskets you took up? And that was seven, by the way. How is it that you do not perceive that I spake not unto you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? And he went on to say, Then understood they that he bade not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Okay. Now what Jesus was pointing out to him is these two instances where he multiplied the fishes and the loaves. In the instance where the people supplied more, there was less left over and there were less people fed. When the people supplied less, there was more left over and there were more people fed. There was a bigger miracle when man put in less. Now, here's what I want to say. The less we put in to our salvation, the more God will do it. Because the results have to be the same. He's promised total and complete salvation. Well, we've got to learn to do that. That's what we, we hate to do. We've been trained up to do it ourselves. And we don't, we don't wait on God. We don't give Him a chance to do a miracle, and we don't see miracles because we don't wait on God. If we get tried for just a little bit, we give up and go back to Egypt. We don't stay out there in that wilderness and wait for the provision out of heaven. We run back to Egypt. We cry about it, wonder why God didn't answer, and we run back to Egypt. Well, the real problem is the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Think not that that man shall receive anything from the Lord. See, you believe the promise, and then you believe your sight. And then you believe the promise, and then you believe your sight. See, God is trying us. The trial of your faith is more precious than gold, the Bible says. The trial of your faith brings about patience. And patience should have its perfect work, that we may be entire and lacking in nothing. You understand? If we will be patient while we walk by faith, we will lack nothing. The problem is we're not patient. Having done the will of God, we should stand, the Bible says. Um, The wilderness is the place where we put in less and less. As they went out into that wilderness, they ran out of more and more. They ran out of food. They ran out of water. God brought the water out of the rock and the food out of the sky. And He provided them with all their needs. They cried out for flesh instead of bread. You know what flesh is, right? We cry out for flesh sometimes, right? We want to walk after the flesh rather than after the, the bread of the life of Christ, you know. We want to partake of the flesh, you know. And, of course, God granted their request, but He sent leanness unto their soul. And, of course, while the, the meat was still in their mouth, they were dying of that flesh. You know, sometimes God will give you what you cry out for. If you want the world, He can give you enough of it to make you sick. But if you want the kingdom, then you're going to be ever-growing, you know. Um, the provision of God is is total, it's complete, it's finished. And Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, When we pray, believe you have received and you shall have it. That puts us in that place of rest. My wife and I, when we first came to the Lord, um, this is what kind of got us started down this road. Not only did God give me a consuming desire to walk as a disciple and to not bring my own provision with me, uh, but to see His provision, and I did a lot of experiments in that way. But our first example was uh, my wife had, um, had uh, a kidney disorder 
and a, uh, an infection, and actually that she'd had since she was a little girl. And um, actually she'd have been in a motorcycle wreck that the, the Lord healed her from, and she actually bounced off a tree on a, on a dirt bike, and uh, they were wanting to operate on her and all that. And, but we'd gone to a, um, to a physician at the time who was, uh, our insurance was running out, and they were going to have to wait for another month. Well, during that time, we began to understand more about these verses concerning healing. This was at the very beginning of our Christian walk. We went to and had some elders pray over my wife, and we didn't see anything. And um, my wife immediately began to question God. Well, Lord, we did what you said. We saw it in the Word now. Now, you know what's going on here, you know. Didn't see any, any immediate results. And about a week later, she was walking through the house. And... Um, she said, Lord, we obeyed you. We did what you said. How come I wasn't healed? And here's what the Lord said to her. He said, he, she told me it was in an audible voice. He said, if you believe that I have healed you, why are you taking all that medicine? Well, we thought about this. She was very specific. She said, he said, if you believe that I have healed you, why are you taking all that medicine? Well, she she grabbed up her medicine and ran in the bathroom and started pouring it down the commode. And the Lord hit her. And she was healed right there. It's like warmth went from her head down to her feet, back up again. She was healed and she knew it. She acted on her faith, you see. And uh, she brought herself to a position of weakness where God's power could be made strong. You say, David, are you suggesting that we all get rid of our medicine? No, I'm just suggesting that we believe. And any of the acts that agree with believing, if you are believing, you should do those acts. If you were, remember what the Lord said to her. He said, if you believe that I have healed you. The Bible doesn't say that God will heal you. It says He has healed you. Why did He make it past tense? He made it past tense so that none of your works could be involved in it. It's already done to exclude all of your works to save yourself. So we can get no glory out of this whatsoever. If you were healed and you believe it, then you stop. You stop, you stop trying to heal yourself. You stop searching for healing. You accept it as a free gift from God, like salvation. Every part of salvation is the same. You say, David, would you go around telling people not to take their medicine? No, I wouldn't. And I don't. I leave that up to people's own decisions. I, I don't think you put the cart before the horse. That's very dangerous. See, people should act on their faith. There are people who act on peer pressure. They act because, well, our church believes it. Have you ever heard of those horror stories? Well, have you ever heard the people that say, well, I believed God and nothing happened? Now, who's the liar here? Jesus said... All things, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. These people are all liars. Every last one of them. I believed God and it didn't happen. No, that's not true. No, that's not true. We don't understand what believing God is sometimes. Believing is not just with your mind. You know, there are people that attempt to believe God with their mind for things. You know, provision, healing, whatever, you know. But it never gets into their feet, and it never gets into their hands, and they never act on it. The Bible says faith without works is dead. 
It's incomplete. It's not real faith. It doesn't bring anything to pass. My wife didn't get healed until she acted on what God said. When she acted on what God said, that's where the healing came from. Um, Jesus demanded action out of people that he prayed for. You ever notice that? Go show yourselves to the priests. He sent the ten lepers, you know. Well, you know, according to the Old Testament, when they showed themselves to the priests, it was because they were already healed. And then they offered their sacrifice of the turtle dove and so on and so forth. That priest would inspect them and, and certify them okay and they'd make their sacrifice, you know. These guys were walking while they were still lepers to go show themselves to the priests. They were acting on their faith, you know. Uh, the Syrophoenician woman, you know, she acted on her faith. She professed her faith, you know. Even the dogs received the crumbs that fall from the master's table, you know. Oh, great is thy faith, woman, you know. Jesus was impressed, you know. And the centurion, you don't have to come to my house. You just say the word. My servant will be healed. Faith was coming out of his mouth, you know. People, Christians think, well, I, I'll just believe, but I'll, when people ask me, I'll say the opposite. No, that won't work. That's a double-minded man's unstable in all his ways to think not that man shall receive anything from the Lord. You know, we have to act on our faith. God's made every last provision, but we have to act on our faith. I, I there was a lady in, um, in Baton Rouge when I lived over there that, that had two very large inoperable tumors. And, um, she was going to die. And, you know, she came to me and she said, David, she said, I, I've been to so and so and so and so and so and so. She was naming these big name preachers around the country that prayed for the sick with results. And, um, she said, I just don't understand why I haven't been healed. And I said to her, Priscilla, I can tell you why you haven't been healed. You just told me why you haven't been healed because you don't believe you've been healed. The Bible says by the stripes of Jesus you were healed and you're still looking for it. You have never accepted the gift by faith. You're still looking for it. I said, you've got a lot of hope. You're hoping God will do something in the future, but you've got no faith. You're not accepting that God has done something in the past. I said, turn around and look the other way. You're looking at the wrong direction. Look back there at the cross. That's where you were healed. I said, you've got to agree with the gospel. The good news is that the Lord has already taken care of this. It's already done. It's a done deal. He's just waiting for you to agree with Him. Okay. And I could, I watched her face and literally it was like a, a light bulb turned on inside her head. It was like her eyes brightened up. She finally realized what faith was. Faith believes it has received. Hope is hoping for something, is a firm expectation of things to come. But it's not hope that heals you. It's faith that heals you. Everybody that's got faith has hope, but not everybody that's got hope has faith. Some people mistake hope for faith. They expect something, but they don't believe in the sacrifice at the cross. They don't accept that it was done there, so they don't see it. And they falsely blame God. But God never fails. Never. And Jesus healed everyone that came to him by faith. Everyone. Every last one. And um, so I told Priscilla this, and, and it was like this. She got the revelation. I said, now, Priscilla, we're going to pray one more time. Whether you feel anything, whether you see anything, this time accept the free gift. Don't walk by sight. Accept the free gift. She said, okay, let's pray. So I did. And I rebuked the, the, uh, 
the cancer from her in the name of Jesus and commanded it to go. And it doesn't always happen this way. It doesn't have to. Sometimes we get a trial of our faith. But they immediately left. The tumors immediately left. And we were, of course, jumping around and, you know, just enjoying God and praising God for the, for the answer. And I told Priscilla, I said, Priscilla, I said, this is the first time you've ever believed God. This series by David Eels will be continued on our next broadcast. Thank you for tuning in. For more information and materials, go to www.americaslastdays.com.